Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. Well, welcome to another episode of Nutrigenomic Nation, where we talk about topics related to your genetic health. And I'm really excited about today's episode. We have with us Dr. Ashley Margison. She is a naturopathic doctor, and we're going to be talking about burnout, what that is, a burnout recovery. But first, welcome to the program, Ashley. Thank you so much, Brian. It's lovely to be here. Awesome. Well, we want to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you into the healthcare field? So I have, the easiest way to put it is I've been at Sessus periods since I was in like grade seven. Um, so I was that kid in sex ed class who was like asking all of the questions of like, why does your hormones do that? And how does that make you feel? And why are we only talking about specifically for women one week of an entire month? Um, so my mom likes to joke that there's no other place that I would be except here right now. Um, but over, you know, the past couple of decades since that grade seven science class or sex ed class, I've been obsessed with trying to understand the intricacies of hormones and how they affect our health. And so what that led me to was an undergrad degree in nutrition and dietetics. I have a focus in public health policy from that side of things, and then an eventual um, degree in naturopathic medicine uh, from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. Um, and from there, I've been working at the clinic that my partner and I um, basically try and... <laughs> do every single day, um, which is Cornerstone Naturopathic, and we're in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, and so what I get to do every single day is try and understand what we call the gray zone of medicine. So you're not perfectly healthy, but you're also not feeling as great as you normally would be. So why is that happening? Well, part of it is the hormonal cascade. And the other part of it is how is burnout affecting our body's ability to adapt to change? Awesome. So yeah, so it's uh, definitely start early age and a big curiosity and that's uh, curiosity spurs us into a lot of different directions. I'm really interested in talking about burnout because most people experience uh, burnout, but um, I think it means different things to different people. So what is burnout and why, why is that important to manage? So so burnout is, it's a topic that everybody's talking about right now. COVID and pandemics kind of brought it to the forefront, but it's actually been studied for the last 30 to 40 years. Um, and so it's a WHO diagnosis and WHO is the World Health Organization. And so there is a medical diagnosis around burnout. It's occupationally based, which means that it has to be in association with basically your quote unquote job. 
Now we need to probably talk about that on that point of a job doesn't necessarily mean you're working in a nine to five office environment. It can also mean you're a stay at home parent. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe it's associated with volunteerism. Um, so a job does not necessarily equate to an occupation and back and forth, but there's three main symptoms associated with burnout. One is feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. The second is an increased mental distance from one's job, feelings of negativism or cynicism related to your job, and a reduced professional efficacy. And so those are the three key areas we look for when it comes to establishing whether or not this is a burnout conversation, because burnout can be aggravated by insomnia, so sleep issues. It can be aggravated by depression, by anxiety, by PTSD, by gastrointestinal issues. And so the important thing with burnout is also making sure that you're not jumping to the burnout conversation when it might be something else. So I, I had no idea it was actual medical diagnosis for burnout. Mm. I think people just use it as general terms. They feel that exhaustion. They feel that lack of focus. The, the I, I like when you talk about negativity and cynicism towards your work. I mean, that's those are common symptoms I think that people have. Incredibly common symptoms right now. And I think it speaks to probably a little bit of the hustle culture. It speaks to the idea of work-life balance. It's also something we, that we tend to see in women a little bit more aggressively than men for probably a variety of different reasons. Um, but we tend to see burnout show up in, in the female body at an earlier age than we do in the male body. Um, and so that's also a, a bit of a layering approach as to how we approach how you actually treat burnout. Awesome. I, I know, like me, all our listeners right now are self-diagnosing uh, <laughs> that they have burnout. But yep. what, if it goes untreated, I mean, what, what, what is the, the negative side of, of that? I mean, what, what can happen if someone doesn't seek help? Oh, you just give up. Like in the easiest possible way, we can go into all of the medical side of it, but basically you just give up from a physical and a mental perspective. You're like, I'm done. And so what we see a lot of times is people quit. They're like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. So divorces are at a higher rate if um, one of the couple, the components of the couple is burnt out. Um, you'll see a higher turnover of jobs. You'll see a lower productivity. You'll see all of these things that kind of, they're like tentacles. They kind of come out of the burnout response, but we'll also see an occurrence of autoimmune diseases. We'll see more symptoms associated with hypothyroidism. We'll see more symptoms associated with major depressive disorder as opposed to a minor or a moderate depressive disorder. Burnout has a way of heightening what probably genetically is already there a little bit. So it could actually lead to some, some serious um, biological effects there um, if, Absolutely. if it goes untreated. So it's yeah, not just so a mental thing. It's actually, it can become physiological as well. And the goal is to try and catch it early so that you don't have these physical symptoms that, that show up. So there's basically four stages of burnout. Stage one is amazing. It's wonderful. You feel awesome because burnout is basically a response of your adrenaline system. Mm. So if we go deep into your adrenaline system, it's a fight or flight response. So either you're running from a bear or you're getting ready to fight. And so when you hit stage one burnout, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe you just got married and you're really excited. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe you're working on a new project. Maybe you have a new baby. Maybe, maybe, maybe 
generally it's associated with an incredibly positive event, but your system can't run on adrenaline forever. And so a lot of what we do in our North American society is we add and we add and we add and we add and we add, but we don't take away. So we go into this adrenaline response, but we still try to pick up the kids from school every single day and pack a homemade lunch and go see our mother on the weekend and get all of the things done that we're supposed to get done and do the work that we were doing before, even though this project that you just accepted is like a 40 hour a week project. So you can run on adrenaline for about 12 weeks and then your system tips into stage two. And what you'll get from stage two is you start seeing some physical symptoms show up. You'll get a mid-afternoon crash. So two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, you're just hitting a wall. A lot of times we start reaching for a second cup of coffee. We start reaching for that donut or that little sugary sweet that might help us through the rest of the day. We wake up a little bit more tired. It's harder to get up in the morning. You hit the snooze button a couple more times. And then you're exhausted throughout the day, but by the time you get to bed, you actually get a second wind and you like go and lie down. You know how you pull yourself up to bed? Mm -hmm. Like I'm so tired. And then you get into bed and you're like, oh my God, now I can think of all of the things that I was supposed to be doing all day. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. We'll start getting some changes in appetite. So either you get really, really, really hungry or you actually can skip meals very easily. And as we move into stage three burnout, what we'll start to see is some actual physical symptoms. So your hair might start to break a little bit more. You might start to gain some weight around that midsection. You might start to lose muscle. You may find that your endurance is a lot less. You might find that your recovery is a lot more. So you could go for a run before and you'd feel great, but now you're really tired and you need to take a nap after that run. And you're like, I don't understand what changed. This doesn't make any sense. You have words on the tip of your tongue. You're describing something, but you can't actually find what you're looking for. And you do that really fun thing that makes all of us think that we're having early onset Alzheimer's where you walk into a room and then you forget why you're there. That's stage three. And so this is stage three burnout. We haven't even hit stage four. And stage four is that like, I can't get out of bed. Like I'm pulling myself out of bed because I have to get to my job. And then I'm coming home and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching Netflix because I don't have any capacity for anything else. You're going to start seeing kind of blood work symptoms show up at this point. For women, we'll see anemia a little bit more aggressively because periods tend to get heavier at this point. We'll see your TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. It will generally stay within the normal range, but it'll start tipping. So it'll start getting a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. We'll see ovulation getting skipped in women, and we'll actually see a decrease in testosterone in men. And so we start seeing these foundational physiological effects that at that point, we're really looking of, we need to put a medication in to help pull you out of that stage four, because it doesn't matter right now. If I talk to you about having a green smoothie, you're so tired, you can't pull yourself out of bed. You're not going to make the green smoothie. So we need something to help pull you up so that all of these lifestyle foundation points can actually start to pull you back out of that stage three, stage two, stage one. But really what we wanted to do was catch it in stage one so we could implement these lifestyle modifications to stop you from getting to stage four. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, I, and I, I was astounded that stage one is actually, it's triggered from, from a positive event. And I can see that because adrenaline, when that depletes, um, you feel, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hard crack. It's a, it's a hard dive. And, and, uh, yeah. so I can see that now and that's, that's really interesting. So now that all of our listeners and myself are have self-diagnosed themselves with burnout, like I'm totally burnt out right now. <laughs> yeah. We're all burned out. Uh, everything you listed, I'm sure most people, you know, say, oh, well, I have that. I, or, <laughs> I have experienced that. And uh, obviously catching that earlier uh, is, is better. But talk about the, the treatment or the recovery side of this and, and what's that process look like? So it depends on which stage you're in. And so that's one of the really critical components of, of burnout is just awareness. What stage are you in and what is your capacity? So for any of the entrepreneurs listening in on this one or anybody who runs their own business, we talk about capacity from a, a business sense, which is basically how much money, how much time do you have to make something happen? So it's that old idea of, yeah, I could do it myself, but it's going to take me six hours to do it. And my cost is worth, like my time is worth this much. So it actually costs me less to have, pay somebody to do it because it's going to take less time, which then opens me up for other things. The same is true with burnout. With burnout, you're not running at 100%. You were at 150 and then you bottomed out to like 40. So we need to pull you back up to that sweet spot, which is actually somewhere between 70 to 90%. So the first thing we do with our patients is go, what's your capacity at? How much extra time do you have and how much energy do you have to utilize it? If you've got 30% capacity hanging around, awesome. We can start using that. Let's build some nutrition in. Let's build some help in so that you're not dwindling your capacity on things that are draining it. Make sense so far? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Then the second thing that we do is implement what we call our four cornerstones. Sleep, nutrition, which is fuel, movement, and boundaries. So one of the first things that goes off as you exit that adrenaline response is your sleep tanks. So you start getting light sleep. You toss and you turn, maybe you're dreaming a little tiny bit, but like if the dog moves, you wake up. You can't recover from burnout if you're not sleeping. So the first order of business is you need high quality sleep. And I don't care at that point if that's you going to bed at eight o'clock, if that's you turning off your phone, if that's you having a cup of chamomile tea, if that's you taking a supplement or a medication, you need to be able to have high quality sleep. Once that's there, the second order of business is to create a less is more mentality. And that comes down to movement. So when you're in stage one burnout, you've got all the adrenaline. What do you want to do with your body? You want to move. Move around. You have to. You've got extra adrenaline. You need to burn it off. So you're more likely to see an increase in exercise as an appropriate coping mechanism to that first stage of burnout. Except if you try and go for a five-kilometer run when you're in stage three or stage two, you don't have the capacity to do that. So we have to drop people out of a high intensity exercise mentality into a moderate to low intensity. And that depends on which stage you're in. Basically what we need to do is conserve energy. I don't need you going for a run if you can't pull yourself out of bed. I need you to like do a 30 minute yoga session to keep your muscles strong. Then it comes down to fuel. So we need to fuel our bodies appropriately. That green smoothie might sound great, but there's no protein or fat in that green smoothie. And right now your body needs protein 
at the rate of a marathon runner. Mm. So we're looking at what we call 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight. For a lot of women, that's getting almost 80 grams of protein in a day, which if you're not used to that, it feels like you're eating a lot, but your brain is having to recover from that burnout response, which means you require an additional input of protein to be able to make that happen. Same with fat. Fat's critical for our hormone development. You're running on adrenaline. Well, guess what? You're not producing estrogen and progesterone in the way that you should be because your body has to compensate somehow. Running away from a bear is technically more important than getting pregnant. You're going to skip periods if you let it continue. So which is why we put a lot of that fat in. And then once you have those three of the four cornerstones, then it's actually relatively simple to start pulling yourself back out of burnout. But then it's really easy to get back into it because one of the things that we do, and this is the unpaid labor conversation, this is the expectations of society conversation, is, oh, I let all of these things go and my to-do list has a hundred things on it. So now I have to catch up. Well, you just pulled yourself back out of burnout and now you're going to expend all of that extra energy on stuff that probably doesn't matter because you let it lapse for like three months and nothing bad happened. And that's where the boundary conversation comes in. Where does your energy have to go versus where do you think it needs to go? Where do you want it to go? How does it feed back into yourself? If you're responding to emails at 10 o'clock at night, because that's the expectation from your company, this now needs to be part of your burnout, individual burnout recovery, because your company is actually perpetrating this issue. It's an organizational conversation just as much as an individual conversation. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, each of those cornerstones, uh, you know, as you're listening, you said sleep, nutrition, movement, and then you said boundaries. And I was like, hmm, you know, the first three made sense. And then you talked about boundary or you said the word boundaries. And I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to get to that one to find out exactly around that. But that makes perfect sense. And I know a lot of what I call RPPs. So that stands for recovering people pleasers. And, and I see recovering perfectionists. Yeah. I am one. Yeah. And people self-diagnose with ADHD, right? And they're, mm -hmm. they're out there um, uh, really, and, and I like what you said, uh, how it's, uh, it can be organizational and individual. And a lot of that, uh, you know, the, the recovering people pleasers, it's more individual, but also uh, we could be in an organization that puts expectations on us that can just increase our stress and, and, and really uh, affect our, our recovery uh, from burnout. Absolutely. And then the conversation that comes up from an organization or a company perspective is, and so we consult with a lot of companies to help them build burnout recovery plans, which are very different than wellness strategies. So your burnout strategy has to be different than your wellness strategy. And people are like, oh, well, we're doing lunchtime yoga. And I'm like, so you're asking your team to do more right now? Like they probably just need you to tell them to go home at four o'clock because they actually just need the time right now and the awareness that this is a lot. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, an example success story that you may have had with an individual? Can you talk about what stage they, they came in, you know, came to uh, seeking your help? Uh, what were their symptoms and, and how, um, what were the challenges of, of recovering and, and able to get there uh, oh, through your method? There are so many. So I've been, I've been treating burnout for the last 
five years of like my entire clinical career has been burnout focused. So everybody's like, how do you know how to do this in the middle of pandemic? And I'm like, well, cause I've been doing it for much uh-huh. longer than just a pandemic. Um, but what we used to see specifically in the area that I focused in and, and still focus in is helping kind of individual female entrepreneurs basically create a life that works for them. And so a com- a lot of times people enter my office and they're like, I hear like my hormones are messed up. My periods are messed up. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do? Well, I own two businesses and I used to travel pre-pandemic two to three days a week. And I feel like I'm gaining weight and I need help. And so what we do is we, we kind of piece all of those puzzle pieces together and then look for the trends that, that basically connect them. And what that happens to be a lot of times in our entrepreneurial organizations um, and our female-based entrepreneurs is burnout. So we have this idea that there's this hustle culture. Well, I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. If I don't take this opportunity right now, I'm going to lose this opportunity. And so what we do is we pull back a lot of those kind of ideas and go, okay, so what can your body handle? So a lot of times with, with periods, we'll start that conversation out there. We'll start to see that they're inconsistent and that they're really heavy one month and they're a little bit lighter the next month. And the PMS associated with a period is like intense. And the reason for that is that hormones adjust throughout a menstrual cycle. So sometimes you have estrogen rising, which is generally the first half of your cycle. Um, and within that first half of your cycle, you get a surge of energy. You feel really good. Your brain's firing on all cylinders because estrogen's a really important hormone for that. Then you hit ovulation, which I always joke is like the best time to pitch because this is when your testosterone's a little bit higher. You're more likely to do really well in a first date, but I'm like, just go pitch your yeah. company right now because it's basically a first date. Um, and then all of a sudden estrogen starts to drop. And so estrogen drops specifically two days after ovulation, and then it actually bounces back up and then it continues. It's much further drop and estrogen is related to serotonin. So serotonin is the hormone in our brain. And I know you've been through this with a number of, of guests, but it's the hormone in our brain that makes us feel really good. Well, as estrogen drops, serotonin also drops, which means you don't feel so great. Mm. So we have this other hormone that's called progesterone. And progesterone is the hormone that's supposed to buffer that estrogen change, except progesterone and cortisol are intricately linked. And cortisol is what our energy hormone is, which will eventually turn into adrenaline if we have to run. So I'm sure you see where I'm going right now. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we're having to run on adrenaline, which means our cortisol levels have to be higher which means we're losing progesterone to try and save our lives technically, which means our estrogen is fluctuating without a buffering capacity. And the nice thing about hormones is as you enter the next start of your cycle, everything that happened the cycle before pulls through to the next cycle. So you're in this perpetual downward spiral and you're trying to get a sense of your hormones, but it's actually not your hormones that are the issue. They're actually responding appropriately to the circumstance. So you change the circumstance and you change burnout. So what we'll see with our patients, it's if you do nothing and you just pull yourself out of burnout on your own, it's 18 months to start to feel like yourself again. Our aim is to do it in six, which is still a consistent amount of time. But what we'll see is people actually start to talk slower. 
They're not mm. fidgety as much in their office, in the office. They come in and they're not like, oh my God, all of these things are going on. They're like, okay. So I accomplished these tasks and I went to bed and I slept through the night and I woke up the next morning and I didn't feel like an absolute piece of garbage. And then we start to see that they can get longer and longer between sessions. And then all of a sudden we're seeing these things pop up on social media and on, on the media, in the media as well of like this company just bought this company and this company is expanding and this company is growing and we're hiring over here. And what that tells me without even having to talk to my patients is, oh, you just, you've just increased your capacity. Your brain's working again. You're able to remember things. You're able to grow. You're able to push, which means now you're building a business without running on adrenaline, which means that business has a much higher capacity of surviving. And the same thing is true for people who don't own businesses. So burnout is one of those things that you don't realize you've come out of it until all of a sudden you look back on it and you're like, oh, I've slept through the week for the past three months. My period's irregular. I don't want to kill my husband or my partner. I had a patient in the other day who she was, she was like, I'm homicidal for a week. Mm. And I was like, homicidal or suicidal? She was like, both. She was like, I just need to not want to kill everybody in my house. But those are all of those burnout conversations that we just start to see complete changes in how people are able to view and work with their worlds. Yeah. Wow. And that's, uh, I, I'm listening because I, I will go to these uh, conferences for entrepreneurs and, um, and most entrepreneurs at these conferences are, are women, but the, the first topic that always comes up is I need to figure out how to do more with less. I need to take stuff off my plate. And so we talk about things like getting virtual assistants and just how to implement different systems to reduce their, their workload. And so people are really, really interested on, on this right now because they are in one of these stages of burnout. Absolutely. And then you can use, and I mean, like we probably don't have a chance to get into this today, but you can use your hormonal cycle to stop you from burning out. You can use your hormonal cycle to help you be more productive. You can strategically place certain aspects of building your business or building your lifestyle or building whatever into your hormonal cycle to make your body work for you and not against you, which is kind of what I think is the actual burnout treatment. It's just working with your system. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, anything that we didn't cover um, that you wanted to make sure our listeners heard today? Oh, yes. AKA, how do you actually recover from burnout? Well, we got asked this question in the middle of pandemic when Canada basically went into lockdown. Uh -huh. um, so we put it online. So there is a course called Burnout Blueprint. Um, my partner, Ben, and I both developed it. It is available online, and it literally walks you through not only the physiology behind burnout, but also the four stages, how to understand which stage you're in, and then the actual steps that we get our patients to use to pull yourself back through those stages and out of burnout. Awesome. So how can our guests get to uh, or learn more about that and, and be able to connect with you? So easiest place to, to connect with me and to learn all about everything is online on Instagram at, at Dr. Ashley Margison, um, or you can find all of the information at www.ashleymargison.com. Awesome. And we'll put those links in the show notes so our audience can uh, easily find those and get in touch 
uh, with your program. That's awesome stuff. I really, really enjoyed this episode today. I hope our audience did too. And I hope our audience joins us next time where we'll discuss another topic related to your genetic health. Our guest has been Dr. Ashley Bargetson. And thank you so much, Dr. Ashley, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This, this was a blast. It was. It was awesome. Great information. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>